Father in heaven, this morning I'm going to ask you to make us all listeners, myself included. I'm going to ask you, Father, to tune our hearts to hear what you have to say and to open our minds. Lord, we need you to do that. In the process of all of it, I'm going to ask you to limit the distractions, to keep us focused so that we can hear what you have for us today. Father, there is a depth of understanding that we all need. So would you make us students of what we are about to hear? Would you make us hungry to explore what your word has to say? Would you make us curious for the ways that your word can transform our thinking, change our perspectives? Would you make us students of the Bible today? But would you wrap it all together by reminding us of how much you love us and that because you loved us first, we have the opportunity to love you in return. And there's nothing better. Nothing better. That's my prayer in Jesus' name. And I offer it with great expectation. Amen. We're going to show you five or six slides this morning. They're, they're random. We just took them from the internet. There's no agenda behind any of them and really no meaning behind any of them. I just want you to look very closely, read very critically the words that are attached to every one of these slides. So we'll give you enough time to do that. We won't just power right through them. I'm not going to read them to you because I want you to see it for yourself. So take a look and look closely. Do you see a common thread among each of those? What was it? Hashtag blessed. Looks just like this. Hashtag blessed. It was in every one of those slides. In our social media driven world, we see that hashtag followed by blessed on a regular basis. Shows up on Twitter, shows up on Snapchat, shows up on Instagram, Facebook, whatever platform you might be looking at. You'll see somebody's post and afterwards that hashtag and blessed. Now, if we're not just looking at social media, or maybe you never do, you still hear people say, in essence, the same thing. They just don't say hashtag before it. They'll tell you how blessed they are might sound like this, boy, we are blessed to live in northwest Montana. Amen. Amen, that's right. First service, people applauded. You can do that too. We can clap for that. I might say something along these lines. I am sure blessed to have the wife and the kids that I do. You might say the same thing. Tina and I together might make a statement like this. Boy, are we ever blessed. We have two Labrador retrievers that live in our house. Now, what that says about other dog breeds, you can fill in the blanks. I'm just saying we are blessed to have two Labrador retrievers living in our house. And the list could go on and on and on and on. You could make your own list or you could add to this one, whatever you'd like to do. You know what I'm, I'm getting at. But what if, what if I told you 
that that is a misuse of the word. That biblically, that's not what that word is supposed to be used to capture. It's a misuse of the word blessed. Might shock you to hear that. But in order to understand it, maybe what we need to do is take a look at the biblical definition of the word blessed, and it'll give you just a glimpse of where we're going this morning. Here it is. Blessed, made holy, consecrated. Consecrated means set apart. So if we took that idea of made holy or consecrated and we just applied it to the three things that I listed for you, you could see how it's a misuse of the word. Boy, we are made holy, we are consecrated, set apart by living in northwest Montana. Doesn't seem quite right. I am sure made holy and consecrated by my wife and children. Anybody with an understanding of Christianity knows that that's not true. Or we might even go on to say that we are made holy or consecrated, set apart because we have Labrador retrievers living in our house. Well, that's, that's close to true. That's <laughs> made holy, consecrated just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Doesn't make sense. Not at all. Yet, there is a promise in the Bible that sounds just like this. I am blessed. Here, we'll put it up on the screen for you. I am blessed. And that is true. You can count on it. You can hang your hat on it. You can take it to the bank. You are blessed in Christ. If you are a Christian, you can say this with all boldness and all confidence. I am blessed. You are. You are blessed because of Jesus Christ. It may just not be the way you think it is. That blessing may not be exactly what you want to believe it to be, yet it is still a truth. We are in a sermon series right now that we've just titled Seven Promises from the Bible. This is one of them. I am blessed, but it may be different. Most of us, in fact, I might even say all of us, would love to hold on to material blessings and use those as the defining aspect of what blessed really means. We want to be able to say that we are blessed because of the house we live in or the truck that we drive. We are blessed because of the relationships that we have. We are blessed because of the material things that we have accumulated. We are blessed because at the end of the week, there is money in our checking account and, you know, prior too recently, there's still money in our retirement accounts. We might say that's what blessed means. We are blessed by our life. But my friends, that's really not what the word blessed means. That's not how we're to use it. That actually falls under Webster's definition of blessing, different than blessed. It fits under the word blessing. Now, here's how Webster defines this word. The act or words of one that blesses or a thing conducive to happiness or welfare. Now let's go back to just the, the last part of that sentence, a thing conducive to happiness or welfare. Where we live, socially and culturally, we would attach that on a regular basis to things, things that make us happy, things that seem to satisfy us, things that provide for our welfare. But those are blessings. That's not what blessed means. There can be a transition from blessing to blessed, and certainly in the understanding from blessing to blessed. But the words are different. 
The words are different, not only culturally, not only within society, but biblically, the words are different. Now, I don't want to make any mistake about this, so let me make sure that I'm clear about it. In the Hebrew language, there are two words that we translate blessing that would look just like this. We translate blessed that would look just like this. It's talking about physical, material things that make us happy. There's one word in the Hebrew, or one word in the Greek language that would go along with those two in the Hebrew language that says the exact same thing. It can translate the same way. In the Greek language, there's also a word that we translate blessing that is used to talk about those that have gone on before us. When we say nice things, things about people that have just died. That's a blessing and a wonderful use for it. But still there is this process of transition from blessing unto blessed. And they are two different applications, two different words. Might surprise you even more to know that there are two different applications of the word blessed from the Old Testament to the New. And we live under the New Testament use of the word blessed, even though we try to attach ourselves to the Old Testament use of it. There's probably no better way for us to look at that than simply to contrast the two. So let's do that together. Hopefully you have a Bible with you. If you do, join me in the book of Deuteronomy, fifth book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 28. Moses is the one that's saying these words. Now, God gave them to him, but Moses is the one saying this. We'll start in verse 1. Listen close. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. That goes on through the entire chapter, and then by the time we get to chapter 29, we start hearing about curses that will fall on people. But what you learn in Deuteronomy chapter 28 is that God is ready to pour out these physical, tangible, touchable blessings on His people, the Jewish people, the Israelite people, the Hebrew people. God is ready to bless them in very physical, materialistic even ways. Right here, He's talking about their business, their flocks, their herds, their cattle, their sheep, their land, so on. It is business-related, but it goes on beyond that because Moses says, God will bless you when you come in and when you go out. If you will walk with Him, Moses says, you can trust that those blessings will fall on you to the point that you will be able to say you are blessed or blessed. Well, there's other places in the Old Testament that show us the exact same thing, like this one in the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 41. Verse 1, David is the author of these words. He says, Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the days of trouble, the Lord delivers him. 
The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. He is called blessed in the land. You do not give up to the will of his enemies. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to full health. Now here again, we're finding a tangible, touchable blessing that becomes blessed in the life of the person or the person's life becomes blessed as a result of it. Made holy, consecrated, set apart. This is all God's doing. God's going to watch over you. He'll deliver you from your enemies. He'll heal you from your sickness. That's all part of living blessed according to the Old Testament. In the book of Genesis, the 14th chapter, we can read, or I'm sorry, the 17th chapter, we can read about Ishmael being blessed the same way Isaac was. Both of them were the children of Abraham. Isaac was the child of promise. Ishmael was a child of sin. But God still said he will be blessed as Isaac was, and he would become the father of many nations just like Isaac would. That's where we get the Arab nation versus the Jewish nation. He was blessed, and Ishmael was. By the time we go on through the book of Genesis, we'll get to the 48th chapter, and Jacob will talk about how blessed he is because of his children, who they are and who they will become. They are the, the fathers of the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob was blessed because of his lineage. Well, that's this Old Testament idea of blessed. It is the concept presented by God to His children. But then there's this massive transition from Old Testament to New that takes a dramatic, dramatic turn. Let me show you what I'm talking about. In order to see it, we have to go to the springboard for all the understanding necessary to grasp this. It's John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus is the one who says these words. John 16, verse 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now that's setting the stage for us to understand this transition in blessed from Old Testament to New. You hang with me through this. Take a look at what the Apostle Paul would say about it. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Now, all of a sudden, we have Paul talking about what it means to live a blessed life, but he isn't talking about our flocks, our herds, our sheep, our goats, our cattle, our land, or even us as we come in and go out. Instead, he's talking about us being blessed with every spiritual blessing. Now, back in John chapter 16, Jesus says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. There's a distinct difference between the promise 
from Old Testament to New. In the Old Testament, it appeared that God was saying, if you will walk with me and stay with me, then you're not going to have much trouble. There's not going to be many struggles. I'm going to pour out blessing on you. But by the time we get to the New Testament, Jesus is saying, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Yet Paul says, in Jesus, God has poured out on us every spiritual blessing. Hmm. Hmm. Well, if we're willing to really explore it, it'll take us to Matthew's gospel, the fifth chapter, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, again, will be the author of these words. Verse 3. By the way, what we're about to read is the most concentrated area in all of the New Testament dealing with what it means to live a blessed life in Christ. Verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All spiritual blessings poured out on God's people through His Son, Jesus. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference from Old Testament to New? From tangible blessings poured out unto the blessed life to these seemingly delayed yet much deeper blessings in Christ. They're not all delayed. Some of them are poured out on us right now. We know that because of the Holy Spirit, but some of them are delayed, yet much deeper. I hope, like me, you find yourself wondering why that is. Why would God make a transition like that from Old Testament to New? Why would we go from the tangible and the touchable into the spiritual realm the way we do? Why would God do that with His children? I'm glad you asked. I ask the same question. This last week, I found myself studying this like I've never studied it before. I have never plowed this dirt before. So this last week, as I was digging into it, man, my mind was just blown away by some of the things that I found. And a lot of what really shocked me came from a wonderful scholar named John Piper. I want to make sure that John gets credit for his work, because this is not mine. I wish it was. I wish I had this insight. It's not mine. This is his, and I want to make sure that he does get credit. So follow what he says. The premise of why God would do what he did in the Old Testament, why blessing was what it was in the Old Testament, is summarized like this. In God's wisdom, the Jewish religion of the Old Testament was largely a come and see religion, meaning God set up Israel as his nation. Then he set up Jerusalem as his city, and then he put the temple in the middle of the city. And that's where the Jewish people came to worship. God set it all up so that the people in the distant lands would look at what was happening for Israel and they would acknowledge the presence of Jehovah God. They would see who God was based on the way He was blessing His people. It was a come and see mentality. Captured beautifully in the book of 1 Kings. 
chapter 10, here's the story. Solomon is now the king of Israel. He's David's son. He has wisdom beyond himself because God gave it to him. God told Solomon that he could ask for anything at all that he wanted. He asked for wisdom. God gave it to him. Wealth followed. Power followed. Peace followed. But it all began with wisdom. And it was such an astounding wisdom that all the people in the surrounding nations heard about it. They were were blown away by it. They wanted to see it for themselves. The queen of Ethiopia, we know her as the queen of Sheba, was one of those people. So she came to Jerusalem to see it for herself. Listen to this, chapter 10, verse 1. Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue, with camels bearing spices, and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. And Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his officials, and the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, the burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord, listen to this, there was no more breath in her. When she came, when she traveled from northern Africa into Israel so that she could see it with her own eyes, so that she could test him with her own questions, when she heard the responses and she saw with her own eyes, there was no breath left in her. Come and see. That's the whole basis behind the Old Testament blessings that God poured out on his children. And it was very purposeful. In this particular case... The purpose was, it was perfect, because the queen took Judaism home with her. History tells us that. Ethiopia became a stronghold for Judaism outside of the nation of Israel. Still is today. It still is today. That is shocking to a lot of people to find out that there is a nation in northern Africa that is a stronghold for the Jewish faith, and it ties all the way back to what we just read. Now, there's other historical things that come into play in that we don't have enough time to get into them today. This is just a remarkable example of how the come-and-see philosophy that God put forward, how it worked. Same thing happened in Babylon, the same thing happened in Persia, the same thing happened in Lebanon, the same thing happened in Syria as the kings saw what God would do for his people, how he would provide for them, how he would protect them, how he would take care of them. The come and see philosophy did exactly what God intended it to do. So why the transition from Old Testament to New? Why do we move from what we see happening for the Jewish people into what we know happens for the New Testament church, for us? How come we don't have those same blessings with the same purpose behind it, the come and see purpose? Well, I'm going to let Piper do the teaching on this because I couldn't do his teaching any further justice, so I'm just going to let it stand on its own. Listen close. Man, this is good. There's nothing like that in the New Testament. In God's wisdom, the church of Jesus Christ is not an ethnic or geographic or political or national entity. It cuts across all ethnicities, all geographies, all politics, all nationalities. 
There is no geographic center for Christianity. There's no great temple like edifice in Christianity. There are no places to do pilgrimages in Christianity. There are no priests or saints through whom we have to go to God, but only Jesus Christ. And instead of telling the world to come to us, come see how I bless my people, God never says that. He says, go, go to the world. And if it costs you your life, lay it down. Jesus says very plainly, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. That's the kind of radical life we're called to live in the New Testament. So there's the principle. And the failure to recognize this distinction between God's plan for Israel in the Old Testament and God's plan for the church in the New Testament has caused a lot of people to put way too much emphasis on earthly blessings today. Boy, that's the truth. If God doesn't give us what we want, we get upset with God. If God doesn't do for us what we believe He should, if He doesn't bless us in the manner that we believe He should, then we get mad. We look at somebody else's life and we think the Lord did this for them. Why isn't he doing that for me? And it can cause a division, not only between us and that other person, but it can cause a division between us and God. When in reality, if we will look at a much deeper level at what it means to live a blessed life in Christ, we will see something greater than what the Jewish people had. We will see something greater than what the Hebrew people experienced. We will understand what it means to live blessed in Jesus. We've already looked at some scripture that helps us understand that whole transition from blessing to blessed in the New Testament. But let's take a look again. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. If you're a note taker, highlighter, underliner, circler, whatever the case might be, make that simple little expression, every spiritual blessing, stand out. Highlight it, underline it, circle it. Because if you want to understand what it means to live a blessed life in Christ, there it is. Every spiritual blessing blessing. It is so much deeper than the tangible, materialistic blessings that we would want to hold on to, those things that we listed earlier. We want to say with all of our heart that those materialistic things, that's what we're really after. We want to be able to say that we live in the house of our dreams, that we drive the truck of our dreams. I want to be able to say that And my wife is this great blessing from God. And I believe she is, and she believes that I am a great blessing as well. Not every day, but most days. She believes that. We want to look at our lives and say, these are the blessings. But but friends, that's shallow. That is shallow. When you compare that to what the Apostle Paul is telling us is available, every spiritual blessing in Christ. What are those? What are those? So happy you asked. So happy you asked. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 5. We read it just a minute ago, but we're going to read it this time in a way that may very well change your perspective. Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now let me stop there for just a second. If you will fast forward to verse 10. We read this, 
Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We just found a couple of pieces of a sandwich, the bread, if you will, that holds all of this together. Or we could even call them bookends for what we're about to see. This promise of blessing that is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In both situations, it sandwiches this in. And there are six things that get listed as we go on through the Beatitudes. If you were to read them right out of your Bible, it would sound like this. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. But I don't want to read it that way. I want to personalize it. So these six things, we're going to take out the word they, and we're going to plug in the word you, so that you can see how this personalizes. These are those spiritual blessings that the Apostle Paul was talking about. Take a look at these. You will be comforted when you grieve or in times of trouble or turmoil. It's a promise from the Holy Spirit that you will be comforted. What a great promise. You will inherit the earth. That's one of those delayed promises of the Bible, one of those delayed blessings. But boy, it's coming. The new heaven and the new earth, it's coming. You will be satisfied. Apostle Paul would talk about what it means to learn to be content in every situation, no matter what, no matter what. He would go on to say, whether well-fed or hungry, whether persecuted, he makes quite a list as he explains what it means to learn to be content. Well, that's what Jesus was talking about. You will learn to be satisfied. You'll receive mercy. Aren't you glad that's the case? You will receive mercy. You didn't deserve it. God gives it to you. Spiritual blessing in Christ. I love this one. You will see God. There are a lot of you in this room that have seen God. I have seen God. I have seen God in many of you. I have seen God in other ways. So have you. I've heard your stories. You have seen God. That's a spiritual blessing that once you have experienced it, nothing else matters. I've seen God. Then take a look at this one. You'll receive a new name. You will receive a new name. Now, this is a fun one. So I want us to hang out here for just a second. If you still have your Bibles open, take a look at this. <clears throat> Blessed are the pure in heart, verse 8, for they shall see God. Verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Now, I am guessing that in your Bible, just like mine, there is a footnote connotation next to sons. Take a look at it. You see a footnote connotation? I pulled out six different Bibles in my office studying this last week. Every one of them had a footnote connotation next to sons. Once you see that footnote connotation, go to the bottom of your page where you can see what it says in the footnote. In mine, it simply says that in the Greek language, this term, sons of God, is this word. Huios. Huios. That's your new name. Huios. For they shall be called sons of God, Huios. Brian, I'm, I'm thinking about this week just calling you Huios. You, you can do the same with me. It'll just be fun. Huios. We'll go fishing on, on Saturday and I'll say, hey, Huios, what do you get? Well, anyway, it, what a great name. It means sons of God. It means sons of God. They will be called Huios, sons 
of God. Now, in order to really appreciate that, you need to know what it means. Here it is. A son by birth or adoption, anyone sharing the same nature as their father. For the believer, becoming a son of God begins with being reborn, adopted by the heavenly father through Christ. Do you remember that passage we read in Ephesians chapter 1? Listen again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved." In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works in all things according to the counsel of His will, so that also who, we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. You were adopted as His Son. You became huios to Him, Son of God, given access to the entire kingdom of God. Every spiritual blessing. That's so much better. That's so much better and so much deeper. Now, real quick, ladies, I want you to listen close. Fellas, you you can just check out if you want to. Ladies, listen close. Even though this says sons of God, it applies to you as well. It can easily read daughters of God. In the Greek, the word huios would apply either way. And we know that from passages like this in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Huios is the great leveler. Ladies, that, that brings you right into those deep blessings from God. Don't believe that because we translate it sons of God that it doesn't apply to you. It does. You are huios the same way I am. What a beautiful promise. What a beautiful promise. And it's given to every person in Christ. Every person in Christ. We are blessed. That is a promise of Scripture. We are blessed But different than the Old Testament, we are blessed with all spiritual blessing from God. Deeper, richer, some of it even delayed to hold out our hope as we look forward to what God has for us. When you understand that, I told you it'll change your perspective. It really will. It'll change your perspective when you read passages like this from James, the half-brother of Jesus. James chapter 1, verse 12, he writes this, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, 
For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. That's the truth. The crown of life is a part of this rich life of blessed, holy, set apart, consecrated before God because of Jesus and through Jesus. Changes everything for us. Changes everything for us. Helps us understand this this old statement that has floated around for a long time. Take a look at this. You'll never know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And in the New Testament idea, teaching of blessed, Jesus is all we have and he's all we need. Beautiful picture of that. While I was putting all this together, an email came in from one of the joke resource sites that I use that provide those wonderful jokes I share with you at the beginning. This one popped up. I read it just as I was working my way through the message, and I thought, man alive, that's that's really not even funny. It, It just applies perfectly, perfectly to what we're talking about. So let me share it with you. I don't know who wrote it. It came from an unknown author, but pay close attention. Here's what they say. I've had laryngitis, tonsillitis, hepatitis, meningitis, appendicitis, tendinitis, and colitis. I've also suffered from gastritis, bronchitis, gingivitis, bursitis, and arthritis. I've been held up, held down, hung up, strung up, stood up, bulldozed, bloody-nosed, blackjacked, hijacked, squeezed, frisked, and mooched. Stuck with excess profits tax, personal property tax, utility tax, inheritance tax, sales tax, school tax, gasoline tax, income tax, excise tax, surtax, liberty bonds, savings bonds, a couple of bail bonds, and the bonds of matrimony. I've helped the Red Cross, the White Cross, and often been double-crossed. Helped the Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, and a few Talent Scouts. Helped children's hospitals, mental hospitals, VA hospitals, spoke out for civil rights, women's rights, animal rights, men's relief, and stomach relief. I've worked for a dog and worked like a dog and still lost all I had. I've been set aside, pushed aside, hit broadside, and had to sit outside. Demoted and misquoted. Walked on, jumped on, dumped on, rained on, snowed on, stomped on, spit on, cut on, and ratted on. I've been put off, ran off, and ripped off. Intimidated, interrogated, berated, separated, and violated. I've been cussed and disgust. Boycotted, stunned, shunned, and shocked. Criticized, despised, ostracized, victimized, brutalized, capsized, analyzed, and ill-advised. Slapped, trapped, and wiretapped. I've been used, abused, bruised, refused, confused, but never excused. Talked about, lied about, lied to, balled out, chewed out, kicked out, knocked out, but never bailed out. The author goes on to say, I've been assailed, derailed, and blackmailed, scammed, slammed, burned, stung, stoned, robbed, cheated, booed, sued, misconstrued, and almost drowned. And the only reason I'm sticking around is I just want to see what's going to happen next. Read that and found myself wondering, what if James had written that? What if the half-brother of Jesus had added that to his letter? How would he have finished that sentence, the only reason I'm sticking around? This is what I came up with. The only reason I'm sticking around after all this is to see how God is going to finish his story. I've been blessed to walk through all this with him. You can bet your sweet bippy, that's original language stuff, I won't give up now. Friend, count your blessings today as God has sent you through the fires of life to carry his message of hope. Take heart, he has overcome the world. Spiritual blessings, 
Spiritual blessings, every one of them, deeper than what they had in the Old Testament, the tangible and the touchable, those were blessings that progress unto the blessed life we have in Christ. Wow. We understand that promise of Scripture and start to live it, change our perspective on everything we ever face. I hope that'll be the case for you.